Dr. Stan May, and you're listening to Drawing from the Well, a weekly podcast by Chronological Bible Teaching Ministries. This is Jonathan Doolin here with Dr. Stan May, exploring some of the discovery questions once again from the Tyndale One-Year Chronological Study Bible. Um, In this week's episode, we're going to be looking especially at the construction of the tabernacle and some of the law. The first question from today's reading is, what materials are used to make the articles for, uh, for service in the tabernacle? And what does the quality and value of these materials reflect about the sacredness of this structure? Jonathan, first, uh, an aside, congratulations on Thomas. Those of you who do not know, Jonathan and Madison just welcomed Thomas to the family, and he's a few weeks old now. We rejoice with him, uh, with them as they celebrate him. So joy to answer these questions uh, because the text becomes alive when we recognize what God is doing, that God gives Moses a promise in Exodus 3 that when the Israelites leave Egypt, he's going to plunder them. When they leave, they take along all the materials that will be necessary for the construction of the tabernacle. So these materials all come from plundered Egypt, but it's God's intention. They are actually repayment for those years of servitude. So they didn't eat, the Israelites didn't steal them. God paid them through this. And these beautiful materials, the gold, the silver, the purple, all these beautiful materials God uses to, to give to the Israelites to construct them. In Exodus 25, you remember, he commands them to take an offering. Now in Exodus 37, that offering is taken. Mm-hmm. And that beautiful offering is such an amazing picture because the people give willingly and they give so much that the, that, the, that the builders have to come to Moses and say, tell the people to stop giving. There's something wonderful about giving to the Lord in that way. And these articles, these materials are used to construct that tabernacle. And the quality and the value of them, this is really important. God gave them gold. And gold is used inside that no one sees but God and the priest. Mm. This tells us something about God. In fact, there are some who say that this rough exterior on the tabernacle is like the humanity of Christ and that gold and silver inside is like the deity, this beautiful treasure on the inside. Mm. And it's not a surprise that it's done this way. The tabernacle is made with beautiful garments. So the people get to see it every time it's erected, every time it's taken down. But in their travels, it's wrapped, and in their daily, and in the daily ministrations, while it's up, it's covered with that, that cover that that hides that beauty. But it's a reminder always that the God we serve is a God who values beauty, mm-hmm. order, and is worthy. And so these materials represent durability and worth and beauty, and the beauty of our God. No surprise that. When God commands Moses to make it, he says, see that you make it like you saw it on the mountain. Mm. What Moses is doing and what God's people are doing through these beautiful gifts is they're recreating, as it were, a bit of heaven on earth. Mm. Amen. Reminds me of in the Gospels when the woman breaks the alabaster jar of the ointment 
Um, and one of the disciples says, says, oh, what a waste. And Jesus says, no, this is a beautiful thing. <laughs> Amen. Uh, the next question we're going to discuss is how specifically does God lead his people and how does his leading build discipline in the people as they move? When I read this passage carefully, it made me mad. Because as I read it, having lived overseas and having camped and all that, I thought, what would it be like for two million people, <laughs> or a million people even, to be camping, to travel all day, to be tired, to get your flocks and herds finally settled down, your kids settled down, the fire started for night meal, or maybe the breakfast meal, and then the cloud to lift. Now, there's a beautiful thing here. God leads his people by a cloud by day and a fire by night. The leading of God is clear. It's unmistakable. You don't have to wonder which way God's leading. You can see God's clear direction, you know, but it's hard because you might leave the next day, the text says, hmm. or two days or a month. You might be there long enough. Can you imagine a people who have taken the time to hoard seeds from Egypt, to plant those seeds, to be waiting for some vegetable to grow that you've longed for, to go with that manna. After a while, manna gets old, just like everything else. And then the day before or the week before it ripens, the Lord moves. Hmm. What do you do? And so his leading is hard. And for a long time, I didn't understand it. But then I realized that God is building a discipline into his people. He's turning slaves into soldiers and he's training them that they move at his command. And that movement's not always going to be easy, but neither is living with him and getting to know him. There are going to be challenges that involve it. And this, and this beautiful picture of God's leading and making them get up and wake up the kids and pack up the stuff just after they've unpacked it, it seems harsh at times. But the truth is, is God's building in his people a discipline so that when they get into the promised land and they have to fight, they're disciplined, trained warriors who've learned how to listen to the voice of God and, and follow his clear leading. Uh, the next question that we're going to discuss um, has to do with the Levites. We know that this is the, the tribe um, from whom the priests will come. So why are the Levites set apart, and why is it important for the Levites to undergo this specific purification process? God sets apart the Levites as a gift. This is one of the amazing things. The, the Levites are a gift to the priests. The work of the priests will be overwhelming. The priests are, are of the tribe of Levi, but they're not all of it. They're one, they're, they're three major divisions of the tribe and three sons of Levi. And then out of the three sons, Aaron is one of the sons of one of the three uh of one of the three boys. And so Aaron has a very small family after Nadab and Abihu died, it's just the two boys. So if Aaron and his two sons were to bear the brunt of erecting the tabernacle, taking down the tabernacle, getting transporting all the goods and carrying the ark on their shoulders, it could not be done. Hmm. So the Lord provides the Levites as a gift to Aaron. And, and, and this probably pictures the gift the deacons are hmm. to pastors. In the, in, the, in the New Testament, that they are a gift to, allow, to come alongside in the service of the ministry and to help perform the service of the ministry. Therefore, they're set apart. 
They're set apart, and the Lord takes them, he says, in place of the firstborn. So they're set apart and sanctified to the Lord to show that they are holy unto the Lord. The sad thing is the Levites will never actually inherit land. Mm. They will be scattered among the people. The goals will be that they will be, the, they will be those who teach the people the word of God and remind them of the necessity of regular worship. And so God scatters them among his people so they, they will be there for them to equip the people to know God's word. Hmm. Next, why do the sins of the leaders, high priests and other leaders, require a greater offering um, than the other people? Well, we'll see this again and again. God holds leaders to a higher standard. It's a terrifying thought to be a leader. I think God is teaching people to take leadership seriously and to weigh the consequences of being a leader seriously. Uh, you know, James says, do not be many teachers. Uh, Paul says, if, if anyone desires, aspires to the office of a bishop, he's, he wants a good thing, but then he's got to meet all these qualifications. And the point is, is, Desire and even a sense of what the world might say calling is not enough because God matches calling and qualifications. Mm -hmm. Even among the Levites, there is a, and even Aaron's sons, there is a clear statement in the text we'll come to later that will say, if you have this, 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 and this, you can't serve. Mm -hmm. So God even limits those of the tribe of Levi and of Aaron's line who can serve in the priesthood or can serve as Levites. Hmm. Lastly, why must the fire never go out? What can this daily attentiveness teach us about our approach to meeting with the Lord through prayer and the study of his word? I'm so glad you let me answer this question. This is one of my favorite uh, stories in the text. And I tell people that as I really dug into Leviticus and got to know it, some of my favorite sermons come from Leviticus, my favorite stories that God teaches me. This is, the, this is one of them. Because in these few verses in chapter 6, God changes the command structure to Moses from commanding the people on the way to offer sacrifices to the priest on how to handle those that are offered. And he begins with the daily sacrifice. The daily sacrifice is offered in the morning and the evening. When the evening sacrifice is done, the priest rises the next morning and he removes the ashes from the altar and he rekindles the fire that's there and then he, he takes the ashes and carries them out to a place outside the camp and dumps them. But he gets the new offering going before he changes his clothes to take the ashes out. This is such a beautiful picture because in this passage, five times the text says the fire must be kept burning on the altar it must never go out. There, this co clear command that the fire on the altar, which God starts mm -hmm. when they dedicate the tabernacle, fire from heaven comes out and consumes the offerings. So God starts this fire. God starting this fire it means that it must never go out, that the priests have to keep it kindled continually. And the ashes demonstrate this truth that Yesterday's fire is just today's ashes. It mm. won't cook your food. It won't light your way. It won't warm your body. Mm. It's just ashes. In the same way, this teaches us that the daily need to dig into the Word of God, 
not to depend upon yesterday's fire or a wonderful sermon I heard Sunday or even a great quiet time I had a week ago, but instead daily to dig into the Word of God and let God speak daily. Every day, we as God's people need to rekindle the fire so that we walk with Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. May. Thanks for joining us. Listen in each week with CBT as we draw from the well the word to answer questions from the weekly reading of the One Year Chronological Study Bible.